listening to Hot Topic, Growing Connections in a Warming World, with Becky Benning-Griffin. Each episode, we interview someone who has an opinion about climate change, which is different to the common consensus, and use the insights we glean from the interview, along with our own research, to provide you with tips on how to have more productive conversations about climate change. This episode, we will be talking to Sergio. Griffin will now tell you a bit about him. Eric Serge Herbert, who goes by the name Sergio, is a 22-year-old climate change activist who has organised and participated in several Extinction Rebellion protests. He has also been a core organiser of the successful fossil-free UNSW divestment campaign and frontline action on coal, as well as working with many other campaigns, including Greenpeace's No New Coal, 350's Fossil Free Australia, Stop Adani, the Australian Student Environment Network, and the Refugee Solidarity Movement. He has been arrested 24 times and imprisoned four times, all as a result of protesting for climate action. Sergio has participated in several extreme forms of protest with Extinction Rebellion, such as supergluing himself to the middle of Queen Street in Brisbane CBD, blocking traffic on Brisbane's Victoria Bridge in a canoe, and chaining himself to a comcar vehicle for two hours during a budget day protest in May 2021. Sergio dropped out of a degree in nanoscience at the UNSW in April 2019 to focus on protesting, and has been sleeping on friends' couches since. We will now be listening to parts of our interview with Sergio. If you want to hear more about it, we will be providing the full interview on both our Spotify and YouTube channel. And now, over to the interview. So you first kind of like, so you first kind of learned about like became aware of the problem of climate change around high school, and then the um that, and that was when you also first kind of got involved in climate action. And the reason why is because you wanted to like assist community people around you in the threat that climate change poses. I I wasn't very interested at school uh, for most of my life um, until learning about climate change. Um, and sort of, you know, as it is being a 15-year-old and everyone asking you what you're going to do with your life. And you're like, I don't even know who I am. What are you talking about? Anyway, so, you know, there's that sort of existential situation. And uh, I sort of figured, like, well, I'm alive. Uh, I can perceive my, uh, yeah, I can perceive the universe, the beauty that I am. Um, and... I think it should stay around. And basically the situation is that it is under imminent threat. And so what better way for my life form uh, to be in service to um, having life forms uh, for the future that can also perceive the universe and interact with it like I can. And so, um, yeah, from that point onward, uh, my main sort of purpose in life for me was to uh, prolong the existence of consciousness in the universe and um yeah well i i started learning science um mainly physics and i decided that i would go uh into carbon capture and storage um because renewables seem to be more or less on track um and carbon capture and storage uh is is still actually a sort of really failing field um and not getting the results that it needs to get so obviously just from like the evidence of your arrests and um and imprisonments like why do you believe that like disruptive process protests and mass arrest tactics are effective in achieving climate action i don't know why i believe in it uh i guess because it's 
through. Uh, so, you know, I, you know, as part of this, I guess you've got to study a bit of history, have a look at how humans work, how, have a look at how change works. And um, so, yeah, uh, I guess I found out um, that the fastest way to change a society um, drastically uh, is through um, what's called the civil resistance model, um, which involves participation, civil disobedience. Um, it is usually nonviolent. Um, it, and yeah, it's the key elements of that. Uh, first of all, it has to be uh, majorly disruptive. Uh, that both gets uh, the media attention of your society. Um, and that obviously does include uh, pissing people off, um, even though uh, not many people like to hear that, but mm. it's sort of the truth. Um, because what you do when you are disrupting uh, regular people uh, is you're inviting them to interact with it, right? Because especially with climate change and stuff like this, it's seen as a political issue. Um, and, you know, it is in a way, um, but the situation is, it's not like the civil resistance model is not particularly political. It's, 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 uh, it's just uh, basically, yeah, forcing the government to act uh, where in the way that they don't want to, not through the general, not through the usual political systems. So what that, so that means it's in, it's inclusive, right? Yeah. So instead of being out, you know, I know 800 kilometers from a, the next, the closest uh, city, you're in the city, uh, inviting people to, you know, on their day off, come and join you. Cause otherwise it's super hard to get mm -hmm. involved. The yeah. second element um, is it has to be nonviolent. Um, and that is, is to basically yeah make it easier to be part of it. It also does a whole bunch of other things, which I won't uh, go into the details of. But basically, it means that um, that when you break the law from by being disruptive, um, you actually end up getting sympathy. Obviously, there was a lot there, and so you mentioned um, how like in like the mass protests and like disruptive protests and mass arrests that like is sometimes they can piss people off. Um, do you think like obviously these protests like, are effective at gaining media attention, but do you think they can sometimes lead to the general public being antagonistic to like what you're trying to achieve due to like their annoyance to their own lives? What would you say about that? Would you say it's like worth it um, because of like the attention you get? So you've got a much higher risk of that if you're using, um, violence or yeah basically if you're using violence what you're doing with the non-violence portion of it is you are demonstrating your willingness to suffer for your cause mm -hmm. and you're also demonstrating in some ways the sort of hypocrisy of in in this case um the government um and what that does is it creates sympathy so so actually yeah, basically, if you maintain a nonviolent discourse, you'll you'll usually um, bring people on on side. It doesn't often uh, push people away. People go out and get arrested. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, these are you know re regular people, right? 
yeah. is people have another look at the situation, right? Mm-hmm. So they start to take it seriously because obviously it's a bit strange that, you know, you, you, the, you I know some nurse is getting arrested over something. Mm-hmm. People take a second look and that actually ends up bringing people on board. So the, the next thing I wanted to ask was, because like we mentioned to you about like how this course is about optimism and agency. Um, and in the, the court hearing following your arrest for participating in a budget day blockade earlier this year, you stated my actions were an attempt to prevent the total annihilation of my species. I guess like this could be viewed potentially as quite a pessimistic outlook. Do you believe that you have a pessimistic outlook on the future or do you think that you have a um, op- optimistic one? It's truthful, right? So, you know, I'm talking about the truth and that's often the, often a difficult thing when you're in a crisis situation because most people uh, like to bury their heads in the sand. This happens again and again throughout societies. It happened for Jewish people in the ghettos in Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they were going to be rounded up and sent to concentration camps. Most people more or less knew it, but they were in denial. And so revolts that happened started with people telling the truth and sticking with that truth. No, it's not okay. We're all going to die. We have to do something. Mm -hmm. So this is about the annihilation of my species. It's about the annihilation of many species. Mm -hmm. And that's the truth, right? And Mm -hmm. the, the, the optimism and the hope comes in the action. You don't have any chance of solving this problem without significant civilian up, basically uprising, non-violently changing the mechanisms of the institutions of this government, which are failing us incredibly. And mm-hmm. they are in full, in full knowledge, are they failing us, right? They have known about this crisis, what it means, and yet the, they are basically bought out by um, the existing yeah basically companies and stuff like that um to to continue down this annihilation project that is exactly what it is and our hope comes from our collective action mm-hmm. yeah yeah so what you like from your perspective it would be like the idea about the annihilation that's just a truthful perspective and you have to um have to realize that truthful perspective to be able to like realize a necessity for action. And that's where like the optimism and agency comes from you. It's realizing that we are like in a very bad situation. And so therefore like you need to optimistically take action and hope that you can make change. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many Australians that have suffered over climate change as people that still don't have houses, don't have access to um, sufficient um, sanitary uh devices um people are left in limbo and uh they're climate they're climate victims and they're basically voiceless and uh, you know yeah they would be yeah i think we should just basically like realize the fact that you know there's lots of people around the world that are suffering right now under the climate collapse what do you think would be like the most effective thing that young people who are worried about climate change can do? Would you recommend that like either young people in universities or just young people in general, would you recommend that 
these people get in, involved in organizations like XR, Extinction Rebellion? If so, why? Yeah, so basically, at this stage of the game, uh, we we have an equivalent of, of, of just over 510 uh, CO2 parts per million in the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. uh, we're on track for over two degrees of warming. Uh, at this time, we're currently looking to challenge our governments sufficiently uh, to reduce warming to below four degrees. Um, and um, the way to do that uh, is not within the existing political systems. Mm -hmm. um, the existing political systems uh, are designed um, and, and, and do uh, basically support um, whoever can pay the most. Uh, you know, we live in under capitalism and that's, that's you know, we've, we've benefited a lot from that. Um, mm. The situation with climate change uh, is um, that, you know, uh, the fossil fuel in industry is extremely wealthy and extremely aggressive. Um, so what that means is that uh, the, the, the only realistic way um, for any anyone to um, have hope mm -hmm. through their action um, that's not that's not <clears throat> that's not delusional mm -hmm. um, is to be involved in the civil resistance the civil resistance model uh, what what we are needing at this stage of the game is a reform of how this government um, acts um, so for example extinction rebellion uh, demands that the government installs a binding, legally binding um, citizens assembly um, that can actually do that transition um, of this country uh, from uh, to get to net zero emissions by 2025, which is the goal, I should state very clearly. That's yeah. the goal if you care at all about your life or your kid's life. So last couple of questions, like one of the last things I wanted to ask was, um, so you talked about like, what do you think the most effective thing that young people who are worried about climate change could do? And you talked about the reasons why it's important to get involved in like these organizations and that kind of stuff. What would you say to young people, or other groups who want to be involved, but are worried about like the experience and impact on the future of being arrested? Um, <clears throat> I think it was my, probably the fourth time I was arrested. Um, uh, uh, my friends and I, we dropped a canoe uh, in between two lanes on one of the main bridges in Brisbane uh, with some dead coral around us. And we were, um, we had our arms uh, connected through a steel pipe. Um, before I went to court, uh, one of the police officers uh, came to me and I thought I was going to court anyway. He said, Sit down. I just wanted to chat. I was like, okay, it's a little weird. <laughs> and he, yeah, he asked me one almost that question as to, you're you're young, you're nineteen. Um, why are you like isn't isn't this like threatening your future? Like, why are you willing to do this? And I basically just told him that. Um, so. You know, it's much more detrimental to my future if I don't do this. Like, this is about um, 
you know, this is about, yeah, the habitability of this planet. Um, and, and also, you know, we're on the right side of history. Mm -hmm. um, I can give a bunch of uh, details for you. I think it would be good because I have, mm -hmm. you know, a vast amount of experience. Um, but ultimately, you know, people in crises, you know, they, 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 you know, they, they put some of their lively or like, you know, life possessions or life goals a little bit aside for the, for the greater good, you know, mm -hmm. people that go to war, you know, they don't know when they're going to be home. They don't know if they're going to be home, right. They have a duty to their community. Um, and this is the same sort of situation. This is way more important than any war that has ever happened. This is way more important than any political issue that has ever, you know, come on this earth. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, well, thank you, like, so much for that. Like, that's really valuable. And before we um, finished up, was there anything else that you um, quickly wanted to say or wanted to mention? Yeah, well, I just wanted to mention that basically, um, when you, when you, you know, decide to go into service to your community, um, it, uh, in this way, you know, it is easily probably one of the most liberating things you'll ever do. Uh, the first time that you get arrested and you come out of the police station you know, into the embrace of, you know, the people that you work with and you go out for a beer and you realise, oh, that wasn't so bad. What mm -hmm. was this whole fear around police and that? Um, it's, it's incredibly liberating, um, not only, um, you know, in the sense that, oh, like, yeah, basically, like, this is just, you know, it's just rooms and forms and stuff like that. Um, but also people get this intense sort of cognitive liberation because, you know, we're, you know, we're taught sort of one thing, which is, you know, the law is the right thing. And uh, yeah, the police do the right thing by enforcing the law. And it's very scary if you're not, if you're breaking the law. Um, yeah. Uh, it sort of challenges some of those sort of foundational um that sort of foundational conditioning that we that we all have um, mm. and it's extremely liberating and the other thing is that it's it's um incredibly exciting and fun and you know it's sort of a bit um funny that you know and i ended up in this position doing the most effective stuff and it turns out to be also the funnest stuff yeah um and uh yeah, I'm really just um, incredibly blessed to, and privileged to be, uh, maybe not privileged, I, I don't know, <laughs> to be um, doing this kind of work uh, that people have done for, for a long time, you know, uh, in human history. And um, it turns out to be, yeah, very, very re rewarding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, well, yeah, again, thank you so much, Sergio, for being willing to talk to us. Um, it has been like an absolute huge, like awesome that you've come. And I think we've learned a lot. And I think the people who eventually will listen to this will um, also learn a lot.
Using our insights from this interview, along with our own research, we will be having a discussion about how you can more effectively speak to people who have different opinions to you about climate change. We should start talking about, you know, where, where Sergio started, you know, sort of his journey with this. Um, he, he mentioned, you know, he, he first sort of found out about climate change when he was 15 years old. Um, and he said, you know, at, at that age, people, you know, were asking him, oh, what, you know, what are you going to do with your life? And his response was, well, I don't even know who I am yet. You know, he, he's, he's a teenager. And that's, you know, that's something I'm sure a lot of teenagers can relate to. Um, and so climate change sort of formed a large part of his identity at that time, because that was sort of what, where he first got his, you know, his real motivation to go and, to, to go and do stuff in the world. And I think that's, that's something that a lot of, a lot of teenagers can relate to. There's certainly, you know, I found a, a couple of papers that um, found that climate anxiety, um, which is this, this new thing, you know, people becoming anxious about climate change and it's becoming like an actual mental health issue. Climate anxiety mostly affects young people, particularly teenagers. And, you know, that's not something that would have happened, you know, 60 years ago. Some papers have compared it almost to things like people experiencing a world war and things like that. Like it's just this whole new giant phenomenon people are having to deal with our age. Yeah. 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 And that, that actually, I think, I think Sergio also, also sort of compared the way that he sees Extinction Rebellion to um, the way that, that people respond to these sort of gigantic things like wars in that you know you've got your priorities change so you know he was he was talking about this this police officer came up to him and said you know why are you why are you doing this why are you you know gluing yourself to the middle of a road or something and you know getting yourself arrested don't you think that's going to negatively impact your future and his response was if i don't do this then that the act of me not doing this is going to negatively impact my future more than you know getting arrested and he he compared that to the mindset that people have you know in a war or something like yeah you go you go to war and there is a risk of you dying but it's for you know he called it the greater good we've definitely heard greta thunberg say similar things to that as well yes yes and you know she's she's a very young person i think she's younger than me um and you know to, to have these these you know, teenagers sort of being at the forefront of this, um, it's kind of terrifying, you know, for everyone, but, but I think particularly for the teenagers. <laughs> I mean, I, I think most parents could attest to the fact that teenagers feel things a lot more strongly than a lot of adults do. Especially because we're at a time of our lives where we're having to make so many decisions about our future. It's a time we're just inundated with decisions, um, obviously, you know, our brains are changing and then we have to deal with climate change on top of it. It's, it's just too much. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's an enormous amount of pressure. You know, I found, um, this article talking about, um, uh, Timothy Morton. Um, so the article calls him the philosopher prophet of the Anthropocene. Uh, so the Anthropocene is this idea of a new epoch, the, the new epoch that we're in now, um, which is defined as um, the time when human activity is the dominant influence on climate change and the environment. Um, so the article 
talks about, um, you know, they say one of his, his most powerful insights in this book that he's written is that we are condemned to this awareness at all times of, of this climate anxiety. So I'll, I'll read a quote from that. I think it's, um, it's really good. They say, um, it's there not only when politicians gather to discuss international environmental agreements, but when we do something as mundane as chat about the weather, pick up a plastic bag at the supermarket or water the lawn. We live in a world with a moral calculus that didn't exist before. Now, doing just about anything is an environmental question. That wasn't true 60 years ago, or at least people weren't aware that it was true. Tragically, it is only by despoiling the planet that we have realized just how much a part of it we are. That is a really profound statement because it, yeah, it just shows how intertwined it is in all our thoughts. So talking about climate anxiety, which we've just had a discussion about, it makes people, a lot of people don't know how to respond to it. Like obviously people want to take action against climate change and you know they have this anxiety. And so you do have groups like Extinction Rebellion, which often do quite, what a lot of people call quite dramatic, quite extreme approaches to climate change. And there's two different arguments as to if what they do is successful. So the first one is that having really dramatic um uh like demonstrations here's an example so sergio he super glued himself to the middle of queen street in brisbane cbd in 2019 so that's an example of how extreme their protests can be and so one argument says that and i found a paper looking at this it's called not all environmentalists are like that dot 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 unpacking the negative and positive beliefs and perceptions of environmentalists and it was a qualitative study because it's quite difficult to find quantitative information about how effective these extreme protests are. I'll use some quotes from it. So some people interviewed said that these extreme protests were so egotistical and didactic that it turned people off the movement. The environmentalists, they said they were too heavy handed, especially when trying to convince skeptics. And these views might just be very ineffective because it makes these people doing these protests come across as very argumentative and very biased. A counterpoint to that would to that to that view held by by people who say that Extinction Rebellion um, will put off climate deniers, climate change deniers, is that um, that is not the primary motivation of it. Extinction Rebellion. It's not to change the minds of people who don't believe in climate change. Um, it's to change the system of governance. So a um, a climate the Climate of the Nation report um, for 2020 found that post the Black Summer bushfires, 82% of Australians are concerned that climate change will result in most in more bushfires, and a very similar percentage of those people believe. Um, yeah, so those people believe that climate change is um, influenced by human activity and they think that fossil fuels um, should be phased out. So with that in mind, the people's minds who most need to be changed is not necessarily people who don't believe in climate change because there aren't actually that many um, of those people in Australia anymore. It's the politicians it's the people running the government um and this is counter to this sort of popularist belief um that has been around for you know over a decade now um of 
the importance of reducing your personal carbon footprint. So that idea was actually popularized by a over $200 million advertising campaign run by BP. So BP, hmm. the oil company, um, <laughs> ran this campaign saying, you know, the, the best way to, the best way to, to stop climate change is to reduce your personal carbon footprint. You know, we're all together, guys, let's, let's fix this, you know, turn off, turn off your lights, don't eat meat, that sort of thing. And then BP goes on to continue to expand the number of places that they mine oil and to continue to expand their carbon footprint. Um, but you know, the, the thing is that campaign worked. And so these days, a lot of people believe, especially young people believe that it's their own personal actions that are going to make the difference. And so, you know, there's this guilt along with the climate anxiety, there's this sort of climate guilt of, oh no, you know, I'm eating meat. I'm destroying the environment. Like there's no denying that, um, you know, the agricultural industry and particularly for instance, like cattle farming does have an enormous impact on, you know, for instance, methane emissions, um, which does affect, um, climate change. The most effective way to fix the most effective way to reduce the, the impacts of these things is not by individual action, but it's by governmental action. And that is the motivation of Extinction Rebellion. Yeah, so it's basically saying that individual action, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself to individually do something, but you can do something as an individual by leading to collective action, by doing an action which encourages the government to do something, which puts a bit of less pressure on us. <laughs> yes, yes, it's it's a relieving thing to hear. And that's something um, we will discuss further in the Rebecca Huntley interview. So uh, stay tuned for that. And activism is a really easy way to do that. It's a really easy and effective way to influence people and bring about change. Um, but it does have some caveats, uh, you know, particularly with extreme activism. Um, Sergio, you know, does all of these you know, things. He's been arrested and gone to prison multiple times. And in the interview, he said that you know, he, he, he sort of talked about going to prison as if it was almost a fun sort of thing. I think he actually said it was fun. He said being arrested is liberating. It's exciting. You know, it's not as bad as people think. Um, you know, he said no. it was mostly bureaucracy, mostly filling in forms. Um, and although that may be true for some people, and especially for people who do, you know, nonviolent activism, which is what Extinction Rebellion is, um, there is the caveat of getting arrested isn't always that good and it for a lot of people the risk of it may not be um, sort of balanced with the benefits that they see. Especially for people who are already in disadvantaged groups and groups that are minority groups that are have experience being targeted by police and things like that in the past there's definitely no need for people to feel they have to go to those extremes definitely it's it's one method that he's done and if that works for him that is fantastic but we definitely do have to recognize that that they could affect your future and you really have to consider if that's the best action for you to take yeah it's a personal choice
You just listened to our second episode of Hot Topic, Growing Connections in a Warming World. In this episode, we explained how extreme climate activism can be an effective way of changing the minds of politicians. However, we did caution that climate activism must be done in a way which is safe and in the best interests of your own life. Make sure you stay tuned for our next episode.